What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Welcome to this special episode, everybody. I am your host, Brandon Johnson, and sitting across from me today is Travis Fields. And today's special episode is just the two of us. We're not interviewing anybody, but we are going to discuss what we've learned over the last year. So we are, as we record this, about three days away from the one-year mark of the recording of our first episode with Corey Sather. Did you know that, first of all, Travis? Three days from today, one year. I didn't know uh, it was three days, but I knew it was close. So what we've decided to do is we are going to reflect on our favorite moments and some of the high points of those episodes. We've had some amazing guests. They've taught us some really amazing things. And then if we get a chance, we also want to talk about some of the things that we learned on our journey, not just from our guests, but as we tried to build and promote the Silly Podcast and some of the things that happened in the background. So there's some good lessons there for you as well. So let's start with this. Travis, what was one of your top moments from our first 27 guests as it sits today? Man, I, there are so many of them. I mean, we've interviewed the Yellow Tux guy. We interviewed a, an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, we have interviewed a YouTuber, some coaches. I mean, we've been all over the map. A circus ringmaster. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's just amazing the the breadth of people we've been able to connect with through this podcast. And and speaking of Ringmaster, I, I think Kevin Bernardos was one of my favorite episodes. He's just the most unique guy and, and genuine. And actually, after we recorded the podcast with him, we had the circus at the brewery for two weeks. And it was one of the most incredible experiences that I've had. My favorite thing that we've done at the brewery in seven years of business. I love that episode. And one thing that he was really adamant about that a couple other people had echoed, but I really liked his way of putting it was about just embracing and finding your unique gift and talent and figuring out how to share that with the world. Like he knew he was supposed to be performing and on stages and he started with Broadway and it didn't feel right. Then he went to a big ring circus. It didn't work out like he was there for a long time, but then it closed and he still wanted to do that. Right. And he figured out how to create his own circus from from nothing. He was selling nothing to fairs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you watch him perform live and you can tell he's just in his element. He loves what he does and he genuinely wants everyone else to, uh, as he puts it, live their circus dream. Yeah. So what does that mean for you? Oh, living my circus dream. I think I'm doing that. You want to live a circus, just open a brewery. <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it's the same thing that we're, we're doing with the, you know, with craft life at the brewery. It's just, like there's a life out there that you're going to love and you just got to find it. Yeah. And it's tied to some gift that you have, right? That's the message we heard over and over. Even you talked about in the early part of the intro, the man in the yellow tux, Jesse Cole, he talked about that a lot. He, he even talked about how he wore a black tux, a black tux to the game and it wasn't unique enough. And so he had to go, you know, he said, I think he said, I'm the only uh, returning customer to brightcoloredtuxes.com. <laughs> um, but that yellow tux has become his, his brand, you know, and, and people know 
the Savannah Bananas and they know the, the, the guy in the yellow tux. And he, he just took that uniqueness that he innately had and, and he's made magic with it. One, you know, one of the things that stuck with me out of that episode that I come back to frequently, and sometimes it's not even in context, but it hits me in the back of the head. He talked about in order to get people's eyes and ears, to get people's attention, or to get people's, sorry, I screwed that up, to get people's hearts and minds, to get their engagement, you had to first get their eyes and ears, get their attention. And I've thought about that a lot with our podcast. Like I put out that silly, like long shot video to Matthew McConaughey, but like, it really stuck with me the importance of getting people's attention before you can get them engaged and how he's leveraged that bright yellow tux to have the only baseball stadium sell out in the country the last two years. Yeah. Well, and I will say with that long shot video, we didn't get Matthew's attention, but I did get a lot of people asking me what that video was about. So it got some people's attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. Now we just got to do something productive with it. Like the man in the yellow tux. What were some of the, other highlights that you had uh i we've had a lot of guests talk about about being like about greatness and how like croy sather uh in episode one talked about everyone who is great has chosen greatness it's not something that you're born with it's not something that comes easy you have to choose it and i I just think that's a really good perspective on like everybody wants everybody likes the idea of greatness but does everybody like what it requires yeah, that and that's that was the part of it for me is the what it requires part. Like choosing to be great isn't just like today I'm choose that I'm going to be great. I'm going to go and do this, but it's every day in the moment, going through the the greatness in this instance, putting those first few hundred miles on the road. Whenever he's talking about training and getting prepared for that, it was really eye opening to see somebody kind of with his background, like he was just a regular dude doing construction. And then he literally said, I just chose to do something different and chose to be great. And then before you know it, he's known across the country for running across the country. Yeah. Well, and even how he talked about how he became a speaker, he didn't just become a speaker. He said, you know, I went to Toastmasters five nights a week. Like right. I, he chose he going to, to different clubs. Yeah. He chose to be great by putting himself in situations that were going to make him better. And that's what we were looking for, right? Like, how are people putting themselves in the right place? And even his strategy for that, like, I want to become a speaker. I need something to get people's eyes and ears. I need to get their attention. So I'm going to run across the country, do speeches to practice this, build my message, and then figure out how to hone that message when I get home. It was so intentional. And it's it's everything that we want this show to be. And it was a fantastic interview. Yeah. No, I love that one, too. Um, another theme I saw a lot was putting together the right team, like getting the right people around you. There were quite a few of our guests that talked about that. So what, uh, what did you take from that? Yeah, there's actually two contexts because we did have the opportunity to interview the three Olympians, right? Uh, Johnny, Jordan, and Krista, they were all awesome, but they all talked about their team, the people around them, their coaches, their, but then we also talked about people in business who had the right teams and the right people around them to support them, their other halves, you know, the people that pick up their shortfalls, but even then just in like relationships, it was, so it was really interesting in their personal life, like how that fit in and how important the people were around you. And I think, yeah, I, I think that's what my big aha was is that there were so many contexts for that to fit into. 
Yeah, they're infinite. I mean, you look at the different variety of our guests that talked about that, like my good friend, Alan Briggs, he's a, a leadership coach. And then you have Olympians and elite athletes like uh, Krista Palmer and Jordan Larson that talked about it. And Tony Breidinger, who's making her way up the NASCAR rank. She said she wouldn't be there if she hadn't, didn't have the right team around her. And then, you know, guys like Danny Heinsohn, who has this nonprofit that gets kids scholarships through a cancer foundation. He's, he's also got the right team to make that happen. So all of those instances, it, the same message is, is get the right people around, you, you know, like your friend, Liz, she is doing retreats and, and still it was that community piece that keeps her going. Yeah. I like, I want to come back to, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to come back to Tony's because that was a really unique experience again, of being intentional with that. Like we were talking about her going up to the next ranks and she's, she's hot on the trails of getting that next promotion, if you would, in the NASCAR ranks, but she's very specific about it. She goes, if, if the team comes open and it's not the right team, I don't like certain parts about it. Like I'm not going to take it. I'll hold off on this a little bit longer. And that was really eye opening for me. Cause it's like, you're literally like just outside the door of the top level of NASCAR. You're right there. It's the entire, it's everything you've dreamed of. And you're willing to put it off another couple of years because of the team you put around you. And she was adamant about that. The right team, not just a team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give a little plug here. Some of the things that we've been working on are about like, what type of things do you filter your decisions through? And that was such an important part of her foundation of success that th that was an automatic filter. If the team's wrong, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll get into that more in, in some future episodes, but but you're right. Like those, those filters, all of these guests have some kind of a filter system that they use to make their decisions and for what people go in their lives and, and, you know, what kind of inputs they allow. We got a lot of, a lot of that in there too. One of the things I've got to mention early on here is our buddy, Doug Comstock. <clears throat> he was on the show kind of towards the end of the year. And we were talking to him specifically about his daughter trying to get this job and wanting to make a certain amount of money. And he said, he gave her some coaching and told her, you don't get what you ask for. He talked her into or supported her so that she had the gumption to go back to her boss and ask for more money. And she got it. So a couple weeks ago, Doug sent me a message on Facebook and said that that story, that message, somebody in his peer group reached out to him and said that their daughter did the same thing because they heard that story and they were empowered to ask for more, to know your value and to be okay with asking for somebody to pay you for that. And I just thought it was a wonderful, a wonderful story of how our guests are impacting people directly. Yeah, know your value, right? And, and demonstrate your value. We've heard a lot of that too. Not only know what your values are, but be able to articulate and demonstrate those. And we've seen that come about in a lot of ways too, with, with Doug being one of them and, you know, his stories of the fishing boat and you know he was he was <laughs> right. on the, the greatest uh what's that show the deadliest catch he was on the deadliest catch and he he just walked onto the docks and said hey i'm valuable i'll work for free to prove it and he got the job yep we've had two people that have ties to reality tv one one survivor how crazy is that yeah oh yeah survivor Ethan. africa <laughs> his story was fun too because he saw something and i think that that was a unique moment for me because we keep talking about find your passion, follow your joy. What makes your heart sing? What do you love? What follow those things? And he goes, it was not that for me at all. This, I saw 
this AIDS and HIV problem in Africa, and I had a platform, so I had to do something about it. It was a negative emotion that moved him to his purpose and his passion, and now he's doing great things. Yeah, he's he's teaching kids in 60 different countries about HIV and AIDS prevention, mental health, physical health, all of these things because he saw this problem and it moved him. And so he decided, you know, I, I can't let that happen. I'm going to take action. I'm going to put myself in right places and make this and make this happen and change that part of the world. Yeah, what a cool system that is too. And he invented the crunch bowl. I mean the crunch bowl. <laughs> how can you how can you not mention the crunch bowl? Uh, if you haven't had a chance, go to the end of that episode, buy yourself a crunch bowl. So one of the, one of the things that happened is I I mentioned we had two reality TV stars on the show, but we've also had a lot of coaches and a lot of people putting into practice, like how you form habits or, or work towards something specifically. One of my favorites was Dahlia. She does, she helps people like basically build their personal brand. And she talked about how once again, once you decide you want to do something, you can actually frame the world around that to make the perspective like you're the, the authority in that field. And she had some really good insights of just like how to structure that so that you can find different opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a great interview too. Yeah. She, uh, she has a lot of information and, and a lot of classwork and on really like job related, find out what you love to do. And it's an easier path to get there than you might think. Like it doesn't take a, a doctorate and a, you know, four years of internship. Like there are jobs out there that will speak to you and you just got to find them. Right. Oh, they're hidden. She said they're the hidden job the market. Hidden job market. She talked about a lot about that, but, but it's true. There are jobs out there that, and, and people, one of the things she pointed out that was really intriguing to me is that that employers are not as likely to hire for credentials anymore. They're they're really they're hiring for results and personality, and uh, there there are a lot of different criteria for hiring than there were, you know, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah, the world's changed, especially after everything that's recently happened. She talked about people moving to entrepreneurship, right, and how everybody's kind of moving away from the traditional work structure and trying to build their own, even if you own a job, even if you're just like, you're still an accountant, but you're just doing it for yourself on your own terms. People are willing to give up some, some little bit so that they have that luxury of their own freedom. Yep. And it's true. There's, there's plenty out there. And and that's what, I mean, that's kind of the basis of this podcast, right? There is something out there for you. You got to put yourself in the right places to find it. So Dahlia was really helpful in and actually some practical applications of navigating that. You know, most of this, I don't know why, maybe this is a question you and I should answer, is why do most of these turn to like career and profession? Because the right place context is really for anything, right? Like if you want to be healthier, you need to make the right decisions so that you're in the right place at the right time to find health, right? If you, Relationships, same thing. But everybody seems to talk mostly about career or their profession and success in that area. Why do you think that is? Well, I think if you probably did some research on it, I would almost guarantee that you would find a correlation between where people are least happy and their jobs. I think that's probably one of the biggest areas of unhappiness in people. And I think that's why a lot of coaching and a lot of uh, a lot of life advice ends up being like do what you love in your career advice, because that's what, 
that's what you're doing 80% of your awake time. You know, I think people are just getting sick of, of spending all of their time in a, in a degree or a, a job that they're not happy with. And so I think that's why it tend, usually ends up back at career advice. And I think I, a good, uh, good segue for this is our interview with Nina and how she talked about not being tied to titles. I think a lot of us are tied to our, like our identity is tied to what we do. You know, that's the question people ask, well, what do you do for a living? Or even if they don't, even if they say, tell me about yourself, 90% of the time people lead with what they do for a living. Exactly. And so, so much of our identities is tied into what we do when that's not going well, that tends to be the first area where we're unhappy. And so I, I think that's why a lot of it is a lot of the life advice that we get from our, from our guests is tied back to career. You know, Gina talked a little bit about that. She's not published before this. She'll be published a couple episodes here down the road as you're listening to this, but she talked about kind of our self-identity and who we believe we are. And if you are hanging your hat on those titles, back to Nina's story, like what happens when that title goes away? If you're stripped of it or you leave it. And she had a huge kind of struggle with that, right? And re-identifying who she was and her path within her new, her new profession that she chose, but there's still like this stripping way of who you thought you were in this environment. And we've learned that in other contexts too, like Sean Conley, who was a professional kicker, found himself like jumping around teams and then finally on no team. And he was like, who am I? Like, what is, what am I going to do with my career? And before you know it, he's a yoga practitioner. Yeah. And I, I think he's one of the few who was able to figure it out. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck in the career field is, well, I don't like this, but I don't know what else to do. Like, who am I without this career? Yeah, that's such a a mind-boggling paradigm shift. I think there's a whole generation before us that that was how you defined your value to a community is the work that you did, right? That doesn't seem to be the same moving forward. And we'll have to figure out how to, I guess, fit our values into that and figure out how we can still be productive members of society, even if we don't want to do some of these jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that'll be, I mean, maybe that's something we should dig into in the future is the practical application of, I don't like what I do. I don't like the identity I've created for myself. What do I do about it? And I think we hit a lot on the philosophical theoretical side and we've hit some practical stuff too. Like Alan, my buddy, Alan Briggs, he has a ton of practical advice about how to avoid burnout and and Sean Conley talked about burnout and um and how to be you know he he says leaders should be healthy and reach more impact and not the other way around and so so I, there's some practical application there but the, the theory is and the the pattern is people aren't happy with their jobs I think that's the good thing that's coming out of all of this since we're going off on this tangent a little bit it's our show we can do that yeah do what we want I think it's shedding the light on what's important to people. And it's really forcing people to look at their belief systems and question them a little bit, right? Like, is it really important for you to chase that dollar so hard? If you've had a lot of people, unfortunately, sick and pass away from this, you might be reevaluating that because you want to spend more time with them or, you know, how you've been spending your life in other ways. This situation that we're in is forcing us to sit and think and, you can be intentional with that, or you can just let those thoughts wander and become idle. And I think we've got some really good tools. Alan's specifically had the journal that he talked about that allows people to kind of figure out, okay, 
what am I going to do with all this growth or all this knowledge or all this, these plans that I have as it comes to me. And that practice, you and I've talked about like journaling works for people. Yeah. It works for, for some people. It doesn't work for other people. I've found that journaling does, isn't the best, uh, solution for me. Right. Well, we actually just looked at two journals that you and I both started about 15 pages in. We were like, nah, that, this ain't <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> I have, I have lots of those. You know, what was also fun about doing this is some of the stories of triumph. Like we heard some, you talked about Danny with his, uh, battle with brain cancer and how he went through his whole fight all the way to becoming an Ironman triathlete, Ethan Fisher, which is one of the very first few episodes how he was in prison for for running into somebody and killing them while he was intoxicated. And now he's turned that into a whole life of like mental health and going to schools and teaching kids about alcoholism and problems with mental health and depression and things like that. And it's really amazing how they, these people who have seemingly had bottom of the barrel experiences, like that's a terrible experience. You don't want anybody to go through it and turn them into such positive events in their life. And all the good that's coming out of it. That was like a really fun part of this for me. I mean, honestly, I think that's probably the biggest theme that I've seen so far out of all of these guests. Any of them that have found success had to go through failures first. You know, Jesse talks about the the baseball team in, in North Carolina that failed when he left and how they bought a failing baseball team and turned it around. And, you know, Ethan has the story of failure and in a, you know, a DUI killing somebody and then coming back from that. And, you know, Krista Palmer, the, the Olympic diver talks about how a lot of struggles in her life and how she was able to turn those adversities into opportunities. She was a gymnast. She was planning on an Olympic run as a gymnast and it fell apart. Like what? Okay. We'll just go to the water. This will work out for me. Crazy. Yeah. So she found, you know, uh, gymnastics isn't working for me. It's too hard on my body but a lot of those same moves are used in diving. And so she got into diving and, and turned that what seemed to be a career ending adversity into an opportunity. She just won a bronze medal in the Olympics in, in 2021. Yeah. I have two, I won't call them quotes cause I don't know if I can directly quote them, but two statements come to mind when we talk about failure. Nina's she talked about how the climbing community, like rock climbers have this phrase called no fear, which is K N O W know it, recognize it, get into it, feel it, learn about yourself and like really understand where the fear comes from. And I, I like, that was really cool. I actually had that on a sticky by my desk and there was like, this is silly, but there were moments where I was like on a conference call and I'm like, ah, I should speak up, but I'm, I'm kind of scared of the backlash. And that thing got me to mouth off in the middle of a conference call. And like, I might've got my backlash, but Hey, I know that fear a little bit better and I'm more confident with it. The second was Chili's framing of failure, not as outcomes, but as just events and blips in the radar. And I thought that was a really cool framing because it is for some reason in our head, like I failed, this is done, but there's no finality to it. Like you're still moving on, right? There's, there's going to be another failure down the road. And how do you frame it? So like, okay, this is just a single event that I can move past, take what I learned from and take with it. Yeah. Well, and Jesse Cole talked about that too. Like we're conditioned as school kids to be fearful of a grade. Right. right? Yeah. You, know, you, you, you're based on this grade system that if you get the wrong letter, then it's a failure. And so we're, we're conditioned to be scared of failure 
because there are negative consequences from the time you're five years old. Somebody talked about that in with an innovative culture. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about even in at work. They're like, oh, I go into these companies and we talk to them and they say, we have an innovative culture. And then somebody does something wrong and they give them a performance management score that's bad or negative. And they're like, no, you don't because you're actually beating it out of people. Don't be innovative. Don't fail. It looks bad. It's such a weird shift in our thoughts between like, being able to connect what we want and what we actually do in these instances. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the way that, you know, on that line of, of Jesse Cole, the way he reframed failure, because I asked him like, well, how do you get over that fear of failure when you're trying all these new things all the time? And he was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, I don't think the word failure should be a thing. Every time we try something, it's a new learning experience. So how many things can we learn this year by trying new things. I don't consider them failures. I, I, I love that perspective. Yeah. His culture of failure is awesome. Like, like the, he talks about the Thanksgiving dinner. That was a huge failure. People were waiting hours to get food at a baseball game. And so now they give an award, right? It's called the chicken sandwich or something like that. Every the the year burnt chicken award, know. the burnt chicken award. That's right. Like, Hey, you tried, you screwed up massively, but it's okay. We're moving on from it. We learned it's such a cool approach. Yeah. And we had a lot of guests talk about failure in that way too. Like failure is like you said, with Chili, our friend Chili Chilino, it's not a, it's not an outcome. It's an event and it's a learning experience and failure is what got me to the success that I have today. Like we've heard that multiple, multiple times. Yep. Sean Conley, you know, he, he failed as like from the outside, his career failed in after three seasons, but he was able to take that failure and learn the life lessons in it and turn it around. And, and he's got a crazy successful chain of yoga studios. Yeah. What do you think it is about our guests that's different from everyday people or are, are they different from everyday people? Because it's, it's nice to hear these people say that, Oh, they just found their way through the failure. And for some of them it was a lot harder. Others are still battling it, but still pressing forward. What do you think it is that made everybody we talked to so capable of pushing through those moments? Uh, I think they share a common mindset. Mental toughness is, I mean, it's it's 100% inside you, right? And so, yeah, every one of these people is just a normal person, but they've decided, like Croy said, I'm going to be great. They've decided failure is not what defines me. They've decided I'm going to take this obstacle and turn it into an opportunity so it all starts with that mental toughness mindset. And I think that's the difference between people who get wrecked by adversity and people who rise up from it is it's, it's all in your head. And Doug Comstock talked about that a little bit too. And he did say like, you get knocked down, stay there for a minute. Like it's okay. Don't pop back up and just swallow it. Cause that's not healthy either, but you got to get up. You got to decide to get up and go at it again. Take your time. Figure out whenever you get knocked to your knees, stay on your knees, figure out what you need to figure out before you rise. But when you rise, go again. And I really think that you nailed it. It's just this mindset of like, I've decided I'm going to do this. This sucks, but it's, it's just another moment on the way to what is going to inevitably be my success in whatever area these people were doing. Cause they're all badasses, <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not a single person that, that we've had on that, that isn't, pushing limits somewhere. And, and a lot of it is mental limits and, and overcoming Then you know, I think all of these people have just decided 
I'm going to overcome. Yeah. And one of the, so another thing that came out of this and a couple of people that talked about it was finding your strengths. It's that nice intersection of what I'm good at and what I like to do. But a lot of people talk specifically just about what are you good at and how do you leverage that? Yemi talked about that a lot. Like he realized he was a community builder and he didn't know that. Like if somebody said that to him, he would have thought that doesn't really make sense. That's not who I am. And then he started kind of embracing that a little bit. And a handful of other guests talked about that. And you have talked about that a ton is lean on those strengths, take time to explore those strengths because they can be your catalyst to the next successful thing, whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be what you thought it was as a strength. Like I, I know I've always said, well, one of my strengths is fixing things with my hands. And that's a, it's not something you do every day as a business owner. So how, what can I take from that? Like the strength that I've been able to take from that is fixing things with your hands requires problem solving. And so I've learned that I'm a good problem solver. If I can do it with a physical object, then how can I take that strength and, and use it in solving problems for my business and for my employees? And, um, and so that the, the strength is problem solving, not fixing things with my hands. And that's just a, that's one example. Yeah, definitely. And it's how do you leverage that, right? Like, I think my biggest strength and what I've turned into a career is my ability to connect dots and make things really simple. And it's, it's how do you leverage that in whatever context you're in, whether it's for me, I use it in consulting. It's taking very complex business strategies and ideas and making them digestible and easy to follow for people that just don't see the big picture or can't figure out how the things are connected. But I think another great example of, of leveraging strengths and kind of taking advantage of this was Nathan Larson, who I really want to just talk about his episode in general in a way, because he's of the things he's done since we've talked about him with his, he's released the new product, teaching people how to play chords on the piano. Yeah. Actually two new products since we talked to him. Two since we talked to him. Yeah. He, he put out the producer accelerator program and then he just a couple weeks ago put out the, uh, the chord chart pianist online uh it's how to learn piano online but not through classically reading music it's a different approach to learning piano right and he is i've been just following him he has grown his followership exponentially since we've talked to him dude's a beast yeah i think when we had talked to him so at the beginning of 2020 he had a thousand followers on his youtube and when we talked to him, he was at like almost 60. He's up, he's doubled that now. He's at like 115, 120,000 followers. Dude's just a beast. And, and it's, it's his ability. He talked about like he was in sales and he was really good at it. And it gave him an opportunity to kind of fund his next project because he was successful at it, but he knew that wasn't the thing. He knew he wanted to be doing stuff with, with music. So even though sales was his strength he couldn't necessarily do it yet with his music now he's obviously selling things and he's making money off it but like he leveraged that strength still to fund his dream and to make money to build that together and i thought that was a really cool approach to make that happen yeah yeah side note with nathan i've known him since he was 12 years old and i knew when he was 12 that he was going to be a musician because he was playing lead guitar in the church worship band at 12 at 12 yeah <laughs> So I was like, why'd you even get away from it, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good kid though. That's Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's doing great things. It's fun to see. So big themes that I've pulled out so far, right. Are 
the one we just talked about with leveraging your strengths, some sort of like pushing through failure. There are a couple more, but the, the next one that I want to talk about that I had on my list was building relationships and communities. We had a ton of people talk about, and I think this was more than just building your team. This was kind of like, not just your team to help you get to the goal, but also the people around you who are just in your life every day. Who do you hang out with? Who do you spend your downtime with? What kind of people they want to be? You know, Alan Briggs talked about it as like being a father. Jerry Milani talked about it from the context of like being a publicist, right? He's just like buddies with all these people because it's the stuff he likes to do. And it turned into opportunities of being the voice of a basketball team or managing the PR for wizard world. And, a lot of people, even you have talked about the, the community around you and how important that is. Yeah, the craft beer community is a big uh, pull for my what I do. Like I, I came in, I came from a community of construction that was very cutthroat and not friendly to a community of just people who like to make beer and we're all buds. So yeah, the community that you choose to be a part of in every aspect is is huge. Even in, like obviously again, we're talking about your professional life, but your downtime life, that was some ahas for me through people that had talked about it because it's like using the, the fatherhood as an example, right? Like there are people in your life that maybe aren't fathers and they're still going to the bars or whatever, hanging out and you can still choose to hang out with him, but you have this other responsibility. Now, what kind of father is that going to make you? Whereas if you're starting to hang out with that, those people in your community that are trying to be better fathers themselves or better at whatever, fill in the blank, those are the communities you'll find yourself in. That'll give you the chance to get better and put yourself in the right places. Yeah. And it goes back to mindset, right? Like who do I want to be? Therefore, who should I be hanging out with? Is it that easy? Is it like decide who you want to be and then find the groups to connect with? Well, I think that's a piece of it. I don't think that is, I don't think it is that simple that, oh, I want to be this person. So I'm going to go, you know, it's like if I said, I want to be in the NBA and I somehow figure out how to hang out with NBA players. That's not going to just make me good at basketball, right? There's so much more to it than that, but that's an important aspect of it. If, if you want to be great, if you want to achieve greatness, but you're playing video games, 12 hours a day, like, unless you're just really great at video games, which could happen, but as a general rule, you know, like if you want to be great, you have to hang out with people who are great. And that's professionally. If, if you want to be a great person, if you want to be a good father, like we mentioned, like you got to hang out with people who are good fathers. Yeah. Roy talked about that too, back to the choosing to be great. He found the guy that had did the thing that he wanted to the best and asked him to train him and hung out with him. Right. Somebody else had already run across America. That's the thing I want to do. That's my guy. He's my community. And he made that happen, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. What, running across America? <laughs> it's crazy. Well, well, that's not where I was going with that, but yeah, absolutely. Especially in a hundred days, 26 miles a day. You got to be on something to do that. No, but the thing that was crazy to me is how, again, once people decided how, and I think a couple of them talked to this, like how quick it seems that things started to work out in your favor, right? Like I decided I wanted to be great a great runner and I want to run across America. So I went out and I told this guy who had already done the thing I want to do that I want to do it. And he took me on, like he coached me. I found out I want to be a good father. I decided I want to be a good father. So I was intentional building those communities. I went out and I got into those communities. Everybody was very specific with the communities they were getting into and how it impacted their lives. 
No, it's a very important aspect, I think, to being in the right place is, is find people who are already in that place. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about, because we just talked to Jerry and it kind of made me think about it, I need to give Jerry Milani a huge shout out. And one of the lessons that I learned from doing this podcast was even whenever you're doing it like this, like you and I are building this, there's an opportunity to build your community and not have to do it alone. And Jerry's kind of been that guy for us. He was unintentional into our community though. The little background story there is I was reaching out to all of the PR reps for the Olympic teams, the US Summer Olympic teams. And Jerry happened to be a PR rep for the wrestling team. He reached out. And before you know it, he gave us guests like Tony Bridinger, Ethan Zahn. He was a guest, John Costacos. Who else? He gave us five or six guests who are amazing. I, th- I think Doug Comstock came from him. Sean Conley came from him. Sean Conley for sure. Um, anyways, so that was that was another one of those opportunities that we didn't know would come, but has really helped us out because our times are finding guests is hard. And Jerry's like, hey, I got a person for you to talk to. So Jerry, we appreciate you. If you're listening to this, thank you for the help. For anybody else, find yourself a Jerry because there are people that can benefit from what you have also. Like we're doing him a favor by putting his people's message out there and it's a win-win situation. No, absolutely. He he uh, heard what we were doing and believed in what we were doing. And so, I mean, how much is that a part of the, the finding community is just getting people who believe in you. And it was by chance, right? Like it was me really just literally reaching out, cold calling some people and he took a chance on us and it's working out nicely. So that was one of my, my learning lessons is other people will help you. You just got to put it in a situation where it's beneficial for everybody. If you have something to believe in and people can believe in it, people will help you out. So one of the things we did leading into this, well, if you remember a year ago, we went through a, some content that Alan Briggs puts on with one of his other companies about building a podcast community. And we use that training to kind of frame this up. Since that time, what are some of your like reflective, holy crap, we did that moments or like big ahas that you had through this building of this silly little show we're doing right now? The caliber of guests that we've been able to acquire is just incredible to me. Like I said, when we opened up like Survivor Africa, professional football players, Olympians, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible to me the caliber of people that we've been able to connect with through this. And it, it started with just a, like, we, we got to do something like we, we believe in this and we have to do something with it. And that's what this, that's really why this podcast started. And I, I think that's just affirmation to me that like, if people like Ethan Zahn and uh, you know, Tony Bridinger, they're willing to come on and support this show that's just affirmation to me that we're, we're doing something here. And some of the comments we've gotten back, right. It's, it's funny because you don't get to see the details of like who's downloading stuff, but you get to see like somebody's listening to the show and every once in a while you get a little, a little blip that like, Hey, I like this. Hey, good job. Oh, I needed that episode at this time. And you're like, okay, this is resonating. This is important. It's just that little kick in the pants to keep going whenever you're like, does anybody even care? Yeah. <laughs> is it just me talking to myself? <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes it is, but 
no, yeah, that's that's really I think the, the amount of people who are willing to jump on board with something like this who really are, you know, at this point or at the point where we got some of these people, we're out of our league. Uh, and the willingness of people to to help out and and share their stories is, is just inspiring to me. Yeah. So let's a uh, peek behind the curtain. One of the things that we do whenever we invite a guest is we send them a video to welcome them. It's me in front of a camera or Travis in front of a camera just saying, hey, we see what you do. We think our guests would appreciate it because it fits in our model. Would you come and be on the show? And a lot of it has been cold calling. But I think our approach that we actually kind of we got from listening to people like Jesse Cole was was different. And I think it resonates with a lot of people. So I don't know if our caliber of guest is directly related to that, but that was a very intentional thing that you and I talked about was these can't be interviews with just some dude that you went to middle school with who's just going through the motions. Like these need to be good guests that have good stories. And somehow we've made that happen. Yeah. Well, and I mean, who knew, like we keep going back to this find your community thing. Like these are people that we've kind of invited into our community. And if you want to change the world, talk to people who are changing the world. Right. And I, I think every one of our guests is changing the world in some way. I would definitely agree with that. I, I really like the thought of that, especially with just their impact on the vision of what they're doing. Everybody seemed to be doing important work, or even if they weren't doing important work, uh, I just, it came to mind because it's on my screen. So Tody Breidinger is NASCAR driver, but she's such an influence for a young generation and a diverse generation for like drivers and female drivers. And everybody had ties to important work. And I think maybe that was a theme that you and I didn't touch on, but it definitely came out. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of these people is passionate about what they do because they found something that matters to them so much that they're willing to dedicate their lives to it. So practically speaking, all of these lessons, all of these guests, somebody listening, what can somebody take from these patterns and these lessons that we're talking about today and begin to put themselves in a right place in their life? I think it's some of the big themes that we talked about. I think it's Understanding who you are. If it's tied to a title, fine, but explore that. If it's not tied to a title, who are you? Who do you want to be? What does that entail? Right? So that that self-identity piece was a big part of it. I think you start there. Yeah. How do you how do you start there? What does that look like? My personal process for this is free writing in a journal. I'm really good about asking myself questions. If you're not good about asking yourself questions, then Email me and I'll ask you some good questions. But I think what you have to do is start to sit down and just say, is this really who I am? And, and answer it on paper, write it down, make yourself answer it. And then whenever you give yourself an answer, start to pick that apart. Okay, if this isn't who I am, why not? Who am I really? If it is, is it who I want to be? If it is, great. If not, why not? If it is, okay, great. Why do I feel good about it? What can I do with it? How do I leverage it more? And it's really just making sure you're becoming self-aware. And I, for me, the only way to do that is to basically have self-dialogue. So just become a really good question asker. It helps. I think that's a good place to start. But if we're following these themes, right, let's, let's talk about failure for a minute. What happens when you ask yourself these questions, you think you have a direction and something doesn't turn out the way you thought it was going to? 
I'd hold up a mirror to you because you've been fighting that with this, this brewery, right? You're like, I had this number in mind. It didn't come out that way. I failed, but you didn't fail. The brewery's doing well. It's growing. So what have you done to get through it? Well, I also have two years of a pandemic in a in a service industry business to uh, throw into that mix. So really for me, like where I get energy is innovating, especially in the face of adversity. And I know we talked about it in my episode, but I'll just hit on it a little bit. We went from being a brewery to being shut down to being a drive-in movie theater for a while to being a delivery service for a while to, uh, you know, having greenhouses in our beer garden for people to sit in where they're safe from COVID to, you know, the, now we just opened up a, a whiskey house as a new innovation and a way to use some space that wasn't being used in the, at the brewery. So um, for me, I think just innovating is a huge energy giver. Uh, and it's a great way to overcome adversity when there's, you know, when, when you come up against something, you can't take the traditional route to fix it sometimes. So taking that weird, non-traditional, unorthodox route to get to a solution I, I think that's really a practical way to uh, overcome adversity. Um, you know, and I ask, I ask the question all throughout COVID and it's become kind of a theme question in my life. When there is adversity, the question I always ask myself now is what do I have? Like I don't have, and it came from like, I don't have a tap room. We do beer. I don't have a tap room. Well, what do I have? We have four and a half acres, plenty of places to park cars. So what could people do in cars? Well, they could watch a movie. Cool. Let's do that. So that was kind of the, the thought process. And it started with the question, what do I have? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And again, you're asking yourself good questions, right? And it's another piece to this that you touched on is like, even in failure, a lot of people found opportunity. It might've not been the opportunity that they were looking for, but there was a different opportunity to capitalize on, right? Like your opportunity to do greenhouses not only floated you through the pandemic, but it made you like the only place to go to in a city where that was shut down, which who knows what that turned into when everything opened back up, because now you've got this brand and this trusted bond with the community because you were there and you they needed you and needed an outlet, right? And other people talk about that. So I would like your perspective of this, of whenever you're failing, whenever you're kind of like down on yourself, what are some of the questions you can ask yourself to see opportunity or to shift your perspective from the dark times to what's possible. Yeah. Well, I will preface with, I am, I have not mastered this yet. It's a work in progress, but, uh, but I, that one question, what do I have? And then who would be willing to help? Like who else cares about this uh, is another question, but uh, you know, but I, I find myself asking the question a lot, like, why is this important to me? And if it's not important, then I shouldn't be spending energy on it. So that's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. Why is this thing important to me? And sometimes it takes me a while to find the answer. Sometimes we get this feeling inside of us. And like I know for me, I can't always identify where that's coming from. But if something is invoking an emotion in you, that's something you care about in some manner, right? So just noticing that about yourself, like, okay, I, I feel something. My reaction to that is like a gut level. I gotta, I gotta chase that. So I think just listening to your intuition is a big piece to it. Yeah. Definitely trust those feelings in the moment. That's, that's where this 
you had the first part of this, that self-awareness comes from, right. Is like your, those emotions are going to tell you they're going to creep up. If you're upset about how something turns out, ask yourself why you're upset about how it turned out and then explore that further. If something makes you excited, don't let it skate by. I mean, live in the moment, but then ask yourself like, what about this made me excited? So you can get more of that. And that practice will save so much of your emotional health and mental health. Yeah. And I think though, I think the next piece to that is once you've asked yourself some questions, you kind of have a direction, take action. Like don't be afraid to do something new that you haven't done before or think some, about something differently that you haven't thought of it that way before. You have to be willing to take those insights and those intuitions and do something with them. Yeah. And I think a part that I want to touch on there is I think people start to think about taking action and they get overwhelmed because either there are a lot of actions or they seem like they're really big actions, which is scary, right? Like if I decided I want to start a brewery, like what does that mean? And I start to freak out about, oh my God, I've got to have this, all these tools and these resources and this place to do this. And like, that's not your first action. Your first action is to just do a little bit of research, maybe do a couple Google searches figure out what some of the zoning is, or if you can even have beer in your community, right? Some counties are dry. Like don't overwhelm yourself. Once you start asking those questions, like it's literally just what can I do from where I sit right now to make progress towards that thing? Yeah. I think that's the biggest key. What, what do I have and what can I do with it? And then be willing to do that thing. And then do it. Just do the little next thing. She's not on the show yet, but that's an Oprah Winfrey thing. Yeah, well, she's like, what, three or four episodes from now? Hopefully. I'm going to reach out <laughs> to her and send her a video. <laughs> and and then the, really the other piece is find people who believe in you, like we've talked about today. Just find find people who celebrate your wins. I think a lot of people in this world don't celebrate each other's wins. So when you find a group of people who will celebrate your wins and you can celebrate their wins, like that's a community. There's the flip side of that, because this is something that you're really good at that we've actually talked recently. Your wife is struggling with that. I'm not very good at is promoting yourself so that other people can celebrate your wins, right? Like a lot of this community that we have, a lot of these great guests, uh, a bunch of them are people that we just cold called, but a bunch of them are people we know. And they were so pumped about it. And they wanted to be on the show whenever you just talked to them over a pint at the bar like they were so excited about this thing you were working on and wanted to be involved, but you had to tell them first about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point. If, if I wasn't willing to tell people what I was doing, like how would I, how would we get these guests? So yeah, be vocal about it. Like be proud of what you're doing. I think is another piece of it. Yeah. Well, what do you think that hang up is? Cause that's something I struggle with. That was right. We just talked about Nikki putting her name in a hat for some awards. Like that's hard for people to do guilty. Like I, I'm really bad at that, um, but I'm aware of it. So now it's something I can work on. Right. If I don't, if I don't take action on that, knowing that I could promote myself better, if I now do nothing with that, I'm doing myself at least a disservice. And that, that's, again, I think this stuff is easy to get overwhelmed with because think of, we started this, we started talking about themes and think of all the big heavy things we've talked about already with like fighting through failure, not understanding your strengths and, and all this stuff you're supposed to do. Think if you're listening to this, just start with that self-awareness piece and just start being curious with it. The other stuff eventually will fall into place. You'll start figuring out 
what things you need to address now versus address later. You can't do all of this tomorrow and just wake up and have it all solved. That's my disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. This is a, it's a process and and it's it will continue to be a process. So maybe really where people should start is be willing to see the opportunity in a situation. Like just be willing, just be open to opportunity because there's opportunity everywhere if you're willing to look at it. There's also adversity everywhere if you're willing to look for that. So I think a good first practical step could be just look for opportunity. I think a good example is, and his episode will be coming out after this one as well, but Bridger, who raises money for different funds, talked about right now in our economy, it's the greatest shift of wealth ever seen from generation to generation. But for a lot of people, it's also hard times in bad economic situations, right? So even in the hardest times as a community, there's a ton of opportunity. And what side of that you're on really is from, obviously the situation is is what it is, but what you see in the situation is going to determine how you come out of the back end of it. Yeah, absolutely. So my hope for anyone listening who hasn't, maybe this is your first episode, just find opportunity, look for it, be willing to see it. That's a great first step. Yeah, really smart practice. Let's talk about some of our, what do we have on the horizon for this new year? Our our sophomore season of the right place right now pod season two uh we've already got some some great guests recorded we've got some uh hopefuls in the hopper that we're looking to get on the on the show uh we have i I think the next one coming out is is a a poet named garrett ash and oh we got the book yeah garrett garrett is writing what is it the book's called Modern Day Magic. And so he's taken Modern Day Magic. Yeah. So he's taken this new spin on poetry, which is really like, it seems like it's dead. And he's taken it and totally rethought poetry. And just an incredible story of coming from a job he hated, which is a common theme we see. But he had this really bad car accident in the middle of it and was not able to work. And so to get himself out of depression, he started writing and just fell in love with it. And and so he's got this whole poetry book that's illustrated beautifully. And there's, there's, I mean, some one-liners in there that are just power punches. So we've got Garrett coming up. We've got a mindset coach that we've both spent a little bit of time with, David Taylor Klaus. Can't wait for that one. You know, he's a, he's an expert on mindset. And so that, that episode really is going to teach you how to start thinking the right way. And he has this book called Mindset Mondays, and it's all about, like, he even created an acronym for it, Rewire Your Brain. I'm about halfway through it right now, and it's it's great. It's, a, it's you know, two or three pages every Monday, and there's a writing exercise for each week, and it's it's just, it's great. It's simple. It's easy to digest. So DTK, I'm excited about that one. Awesome guest on the horizon. Those are the first couple. I think another thing that I'd like to plug is, like, we're going to try some stuff this year, right? We're going to put some stuff out maybe some content, some of our lessons learned, maybe some practical applications and tools. We're going to, we're going to go for it. We're not going to be, we're, I'm going to tell you right now, we're having a hard time with this. I don't know if it's fear of failure or if it's not clarity on direction, but like Travis and I have been going back and forth trying to determine what are some of the most useful tools that we could pull out of all this wonderful insight that we could share with our listeners. 
Yeah, well, and our listeners are going to see this magical end product and think, man, Travis and Brandon have it together. So I'm glad you're just throwing it out there right now. We don't have it together. We're figuring it out. Yeah, I, I think that's the great thing about this show, right? And one of the things that you and I put in place is like, it, we're building this, right? We had no experience doing this. We maybe even had no business with this. You said we had no business getting a lot of the guests we have, but we're rising to the occasion and we're making it work. And there have been a lot of pain points along the way. There have been times when neither of us wanted to work on this or we were running low on guests. Like we were literally getting a guest, cutting it. You were editing it. I was writing the episode for it. We we're publishing it within like two days because we didn't have anybody in the backup. We didn't yep. want to miss our schedule. <laughs> yeah. Transparency moment here. There was one podcast that we put out every Monday, right? There was one that I published on Monday morning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, but but we're making it happen, right? We've learned a lot and we're growing. So be on the lookout for what we've got coming up this year. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we're going to be intentional with trying some stuff and hopefully helping some more people out. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are listening to this and you have some input or insight on what you would like for us to cover or any topics or anything that, that you haven't heard that you'd be interested in, please let us know. Go to our Facebook, Right Place Right Now. Uh, we're on Instagram, right place right now, and just shoot us a message or a comment or something and say, hey, you guys should focus on this thing. Or like, hey, we really want to hear about somebody's story or, you know, I would love to to get some input from people listening on, you know, what you like, what you don't like, where should we go? If you got a guest you think that would be awesome that has a great story to share that because we have gotten some guests from some of our listeners that are like, you have to know this person and heck we've had some amazing stories so the more you know the more people you can connect us with the better this thing will be i think well thanks everyone for listening to this episode and if you've been listening along the way and supporting us we greatly appreciate the support please keep us in in mind and share it and tell your friends about it we hope that it is impacting and changing the world and the only way for us to do that bigger is for you guys to share it yeah, appreciate the support. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to this year. Should be a good one. Thanks, guys.